Good morning. How's everybody doing today? We have a new sound system this morning, so it's already being a little cantankerous. So uh, please bear with us. We have a new band. We have a lot of new things going on. I've been talking through the last 10 weeks, I think, about this new season and the things the Lord is doing. And uh, so part of this new season is a new worship leader, Walter Flores. Uh, we're really happy to have him here. You know, we have a whole new worship team, and we're expecting great things as we move forward. So again, we have a new sound system, so we're, we're going to be tweaking it. So please just bear with us, okay? We know we've got some problems, but it's going to take a couple of weeks. Um, but we'll get there, and so I appreciate your patience. And I'm so glad that you're here this morning. We have a great service planned for you. And again, I want to welcome Walter and, and the team. Uh, Walter, I'll, I'll allow you to introduce the guys, and then uh, we'll do announcements, and we'll move forward. Well, good morning. How many of y'all really come with the desire to praise God this morning? Amen? Amen? I really believe firmly in my heart with Joshua 6.20, when those Jericho's walls fell, you know what it took? It took desire. It took people that really wanted to believe God to do it. And if you're here this morning and you really believe God, all you got to do is shout and praise. And those walls are going to fall. Amen? Hallelujah. Thanks, glory and honor and praise. They all belong to you. Father, when we understand your great love for us and what you've done, the least we can do is, is just honor you and worship you. So we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks, Father, for taking our broken lives, bringing healing and restoration to us, fixing broken marriages. Father, you're so good. And we give you praise and glory and honor and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you, Walter. Praise team. Great job, guys. Thank you so much. Well, uh, it's good to see you all here. Everybody enjoying this nice weather we're having? This is awesome, isn't it? Amen. We're continuing in the series, a new, a new season. And this morning's topic or sermon is Launch to the World. And we've been talking about, and we talked about over the past number of years, Matthew uh, 28, 18 through 20, but I want to just kind of touch on this again because this is so critical for what the Lord is doing right now. Uh, Jesus came in Matthew 18, 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Verse 19, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then he goes on to say, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I want to go back to verse 18. Uh, you know, I think sometimes we read through these scriptures and we read that Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and on earth. But when we really understand that, next week uh, or this coming Monday when we're going through the challenges of life or the struggles or whatever those may look like for us, we know that we can call on him because he has all authority in heaven and on earth. Your boss may be able to fix something or your spouse may be able to help you out with something, 
but Jesus can take care of it. I mean, he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And as we've been talking about the past few weeks, I don't believe that this is optional. I think this is a command. This is called the Great Commission. And this is something that Jesus is commanding us to do. And he goes on to say, teach these new disciples to obey all the commandments I've given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. And I know that there are, there are churches that are making converts, that people are getting saved, and that's great. But it's much more than that, guys. It's about becoming a committed follower of Christ. D a disciple means you are disciplined in the ways of that person. So as a disciple of Christ, we're disciplined in the ways of Christ. That's why it's important that we know the Word of God. That's why we encourage you to come on Sunday mornings to be filled up. That's why we encourage you to come on Wednesday night for Bible study. So we're getting the word down in us and we're going deeper. We're chopping it up. The Lord is opening up doors in Africa, Austria, Switzerland, the Ukraine, China, India, the Philippines, Malaysia, all across the globe for us. And from the inception of Life Fellowship, I've talked about how that I believe that God was going to open doors and we would be going to the nations. And now those doors are beginning to open I believe he's going to open doors in South and, and Central America for us as well, that we can go to the nations. That's what his word says. Now, it doesn't mean that we neglect where we are, Kima, Lake City, Seabrook, the surrounding communi uh, communities, but he says go to the nations as well. I need to have some confidence that if Christine and I leave, are you here? Are you here to support the work, the ongoing work? We're not planning on leaving permanently or extended periods of time. But if, if I need to travel, do, do I know that you're committed to Life Fellowship, Ministries International? Are you committed to the work here? Because whenever somebody goes away, there has to be somebody to stay at the house and take care of things, right? And so I need to know that I can depend on your full support for Life Fellowship on Sunday mornings. I'm going to have a TA moment, and if you're new or you're visiting today, TA stands for Transparent, Authentic, and Honest. And there were times, frankly, when I knew Pastor Don was going to be out of town, and I would maybe skip the midweek service because I knew someone else was going to be speaking. But being on this side of the fence is a little different now. But, but what I've realized is that was selfishness. That was pure selfishness on my part. Well, if Pastor Don's not speaking, I'm not going to go because it'll be brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so, and they're just not as good as Pastor Don. But you know what? It's not always about me. What if he was depending on me to be there to, to support the work, or maybe there was something that needed to be handled because I wasn't there, somebody else had to do it? You see, it's not always about me. In fact, it should never be about me always. It should be about him. And so when we come together, it's not just about coming to church, but we are helping others by, by them seeing us here, by us maybe praying for them, or maybe there's a situation or an opportunity that we will have by being there that wouldn't happen if we weren't there. And so I, I've realized that we're, we're part of the body. That's why it's important that we come together and fellowship together. The word says that we're not to sake the assembling of ourselves together, especially as, as we see the end times drawing near. 
And so it's important that we continue to come together and fellowship, even if I'm not here. Listen, Life Fellowship Ministries International is not built on Mark or Christine Johnson. It's built on Jesus Christ. So a, a, a ministry or an um, organization should never be about a person. If it's a Christian organization, it should be about Jesus. That's why, and I'm not trying to slam Joel Osteen, but I don't think there'll ever be a joelosteen.com. It's not about me. It's not about Joel Osteen. It's about Jesus Christ. And so I need to know that you're here. Can I trust you? Can I trust that the AC is going to be turned off, that it's going to be at the proper setting, that it's not put on some setting where it's going to run for three days and we're going to have an electric bill of $1,000 when I get back? I mean, those are the kinds of details that, that somebody... Somebody has to take care of. Can I trust that the building will be locked and secured? Are you willing to take out, uh, put out the banners every week and, and take those down? The, one of the points I'm trying to make is that when we are committed, when we are a committed follower of Christ, it requires something of us. And I know that there are a lot of churches where people just go and they do their one hour. They go and sit down and they punch the clock and check off. Well, I've done my duty for the week and that's it. But really following Christ and being a true committed disciple requires something of us. And so we have people that put out the banners every week. And you know, there are thousands of cars that drive by and see those banners. And many of you have come to Life Fellowship because you saw those banners. But even if they don't come to Life Fellowship, maybe they'll be thinking, you know what, I need to take my family to church this week. It's about building the kingdom of God. And those banners are important, but they need to go up every Friday afternoon and they need to be taken down every Sunday afternoon after church. It's those kinds of details that are important in ministry. And those kind of details don't just happen. It requires people. It requires you and me to make those things happen. And so I need to be assured that all the minor details are covered. You would be surprised probably if you were up here on a regular basis of all the details and putting the sound system up, there was a lot of details that went into this the last couple of a few days. But can I release you to do WIT? And if you know what WIT means, what it stands for, it's an acronym for whatever it takes. So you're empowered to do whatever needs to be done. You see some trash in the parking lot, you're empowered to pick it up and throw it away. But are you prepared? Here's even, and you know, that's just kind of the baseline of what we do to prepare the, the, the building and prepare everything for your arrival, pre prepare children's ministry. But here's the heart of what God's called us to do. Are you prepared to teach others? I mean, that's really where, that's, that's the heart of what God has called us to do. Are you prepared to teach others here at Life Fellowship? Are you prepared to teach others across the globe? Matthew 28, 19. Therefore, go and make disciples of all of Kima, League City, Seabrook, and the surrounding communities. No, well, that. But also, he says, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Then he says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. When Jesus taught on healing... He not only had a lecture, but he had a lab there too. He would heal people, you know. He wouldn't just talk about healing. People would be healed. We should follow his lead. Teach in word, but also in action. 
People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Are we sharing the love of Christ with people? Are they understanding that it's, it's not about religion, that it's about a relationship, and the love of God can transform our lives? Are they seeing our lives transformed? Somebody that you've worked with for a number of years, are they seeing a transformation in your life, and they're saying, something's different about you. What happened to you? Well, I came into a relationship with Jesus, and my life has changed. I'm not the same that I used to be. There should be people in our lives that, that say, you know what, I see that. I know that. I, I can see the evidence of the change in your heart. I can see the evidence of the change in your life. Jesus didn't just teach the word, but he lived it. And there was action that followed. How many times have our actions not lined up with our words? We need to live it. We need to live what we say we believe. And you know, God has never expected us to be perfect. Oh no, I said a cuss word. Oh no, I did something I shouldn't have done. Oh no, I, I, I thought something I shouldn't have thought. He knows that we live in a sinful, fallen world. And I'm not promoting sin. I'm just saying we need, to, we need to understand and others need to understand that we don't have to live a perfect life. We're going to make mistakes. All have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard, it says in Romans. All have sinned. There's only one that's perfect, and his name is Jesus. It's not about jumping through hoops. It's not about religion. It's about a relationship. And if we don't get that, how can we share that with the rest of the world? How can we really teach them that it's all about love and it's not about this, this other stuff? Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. Jesus came to earth because of his love for us to restore fallen humanity back into relationship with him. It wasn't about religion. It was never about us being perfect. Your spouses are not, look at me, your spouses are not perfect. You still love them? Is there grace? We sing about it today. This is amazing grace. This is amazing grace that God has poured out on us. Are you receiving it? Again, I'm not promoting sin, but we stumble and fall. Are we going to God and saying, God, listen, I messed up. Please forgive me. And I think one of the greatest examples that we have is King David. A man after God's own heart. That's what God says about him. But yet he stumbled and fell. He had the affair with Bathsheba. He had her husband Uriah murdered. But the thing I love about David, he understood this amazing grace Amen. that he could be forgiven. We, we need to understand that there's a whole world around us that doesn't know that. Or maybe they don't believe it. Or maybe they know it for a minute, for for just a few seconds, but then they forget and they fall back in this trap and get sucked into the vortex of, of performing, forgetting. It's God's grace. It's never our works. 
Ephesians 2, 8, we're saved by grace through faith when we believe not of our works. There's a whole world out there that needs to know that. There are people across the globe that need to know that. They not only need to be taught, but they need to see it walked out. Jesus was sending others out to the world. Jesus is sending us out. Let me personalize it. Jesus is sending you out. Are you ready? Let's look at the, the instructions that Paul gives to Timothy in 2 Timothy 2, 2. And Paul is giving instructions to this young man, and he says, You have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. I think Paul is telling Timothy, You've heard me teach the things that Christ taught. Not only have you heard me teach these truths and principles, you've seen the evidence of the power of Christ by the lives that have been changed. Are we changed? There should be evidence in our life. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those things should be evident in our life. And God's still helping me in some of those things. Sometimes I don't love people like I should. Sometimes I'm irritated. Sometimes I'm unlovely. Many times I don't have the self-control that I need. But that's a fruit of the Spirit. You've heard me teach things that, that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Not just people, but people that Timothy can say, that's a reliable witness. You know, they, they said that, that Jesus raised somebody from the dead. They said that, that Paul, when he prayed for someone, they were healed. I, there's a witness there. There's the power of God that's moving that we should be tapped into. Not so that we can move in power and it's all about us, but it's all about Jesus. But let me tell you, people need to be healed physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. People need to be saved. If we say that we're a Christian, there should be power in our life. The Word says that we have the same mighty power living in us that raised Christ from the dead. That's not little bitty weak power. That's not a 9-volt battery. That is dynamite. That's the kind of power that we should be walking in because Jesus has already allocated. He said, I have all authority in heaven and on earth. All. And you have the same authority through me when you do what I'm asking you to do. Paul writes to Timothy, you have heard me teach things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now what? Teach. Teach these truths to other what? Who? Trustworthy people. Who will be able to pass them on to others? He's saying look for those that are trustworthy, that are committed to this work, to Christ, and pour into them because they're trustworthy if you are a manager or a supervisor, are you going to give an important project to somebody that just shows up for work sometimes, half the time? You don't know if they're committed. You've given them projects before and they, they just mess them up or they're not serious about it. Paul is saying, look for those people that are trustworthy, worthy of trusting. And so we have 
this history with Christ. We have this history with God where God looks down and says, you know what? There's someone that's humble. There's someone that's teachable. There's someone that's obedient. There's someone that's trustworthy. I'm going to dispense to them. I'm going to give them projects that are, are important that I know that they will do because they're committed to me. And so Paul is telling Timothy, look for those people that are trustworthy. And when we're looking for leaders and people to pour into, I'm looking for people that are hungry for God. I'm not looking for people that are on the fence. Have you ever poured something into a sieve? Think about the, the strainer that you use for spaghetti. I mean, that has a purpose. You pour the spaghetti in, and then you pour the water on top of it, and it drains out. And that works for that application, but that's not what God is looking for. He's not looking for people that are sieves. He's looking for people that will be able to contain what he wants to pour into us. He's looking for people that are willing to expand their capacity for him and not say, God, my capacity is this, so change the situation and the circumstances to meet my little bitty capacity. He's looking for people that will say, God, stretch me. It's uncomfortable, but I want to be able to meet the circumstance. I want my capacity to grow for what you're calling me to. And when we serve God on the level that he's calling us to, guys, it's going to take greater capacity. Putting out the banners and making sure the AC is, is off, those are minor things. The more important thing is, are we filled with the Word of God? Are we able to go and teach others? Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. It's not just about building the kingdom of God, but as we get the truth and the Word of God and the principles of Christ in us, what does it do? It changes our life. Jesus and God were always about people. And part of that is expanding the kingdom of God to bring people in. But it's also, they understand, and we need to understand this, as we begin to grow in our relationship, it's a, it, it changes us. And that's the heart of Christ, is that we would be changed, that we would walk in the fullness of life. John 10.10, 10, the thief has come to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've what? I've come that you may have abundant life, not mediocre we need to live it. We should be mentoring and pastoring others. We should be looking for other trustworthy people to pour into. If I'm draining spaghetti, I want it to drain. If I'm pouring in the power and the love of God, I don't want it to drain. I want it to stay. I want my capacity to be big enough to handle and to hold all the things that God has for me. I don't want it leaking out. We should be pastoring and teaching others. Let me personalize this. You should be pastoring and teaching others throughout the week. God has placed you in your place of, of, of your job or your neighborhood or community so you can make a difference, so he can make a difference through your life. If you say you're a Christian... Come on, live it. Either commit to that or, or, you know, don't call yourself a Christian. Because people are looking at us 
we need to be allowing God to pour through us. Jesus said, I go that the Holy Spirit may lead you and guide you into all truth and pour through your lives. And we are like a conduit. We say, God, just hook me up and flow through me. So we should be pastoring and teaching others every week. You don't need a platform. You don't need lights and a microphone to be pastoring and shepherding and helping people. Come on, it's not... It's never been about a title. It's about the heart of God being shared and given to those around us. I remember being called a pastor long before I ever got ordained. I remember having Bible study at at work, and I went through the proper channels. I called the HR manager, and I said, hey, would it be okay if we use a training trailer out here, out back that never gets used anyway? Could we meet back there and have lunch? And have a Bible study? She said, sure. There are things that you can do. I would see people walk by that, I'm not trying to judge, but based on what I saw and what I heard, they weren't saved. I'd pray for them. God, get them. Save them, God. Fill them with the Holy Spirit. Touch them. And I shared with you a few weeks back, probably a few months back, where there was this one guy that I worked with. And I remember walking down the hall past his laboratory, and I stopped. And I just kind of stood off to the side where he couldn't see me. And I began to pray. I said, God, I pray that you would save Lee. Save him, God. And that you would do a tremendous work in his life. And maybe even one day he will be a pastor. God, I pray that you do something miraculous in his life. And I found out a couple of years ago that he's now a pastor at a church down in the valley. Listen, we have that kind of opportunity to be praying for people. I can remember praying for people that claim to be Christian. I, I, I felt like they were on the fence. I'd, I'd say, God, God, Steve needs you. I'm not talking about you, Steve Palmer. I was talking about another Steve. I said, Steve needs you, because I worked with Steve, too, and he's a good Christian. Uh, And I'd say, Steve needs you. Help break off the religion off this man, God. Let him be filled with the power of your Holy Spirit. So we can do those kinds of things, and nobody will ever know. But there's power in prayer. There's power. Jesus has been given all authority in heaven and earth. And he says, I send the Holy Spirit to empower you to go and do something. Not just show up on church, show up at church on Sunday and punch your your clock, but to do something. Are you willing to go to the nations? Are you willing to share your faith where you are right now? Listen, if you're not sharing the gospel and teaching, and, and I'm not saying that you have to pull out Scripture and quote a whole chapter to somebody. People that don't know the Word, people that aren't saved, frankly, they don't care about that. You're just quoting something. But are you living it? Are we trained and equipped? Are you teaching? Are you sharing your faith? Are you living it that people say, man, there's something in Him that's driving me to God Driving me to church versus I don't want anything to do with that. Mm-mm. No, I've seen those people. I know how they act. I see, I see how you act, and then you tell me you're a Christian. You talk about church on Sunday, and, and then uh, Saturday night, Friday night, you're out there getting drunk. You know, listen, I've, ha- I've done that before. 
And I shared that with you. One Friday night, I went out. I'd started a new job. And people invited us. They said, hey, you want to go out with us? Yeah, yeah, we're going to this cowboy club. Yeah. And uh, I was playing on the praise and worship team. And somebody bought a round of beer. Somebody bought a round of schnapps. Somebody bought another round of beer. Somebody bought another round of schnapps. And I got drunk. I was drunk. I'm not proud. I'm not proud of this story. But I looked over, and I saw somebody that I recognized from church, and he was looking at me. And I thought, oh, God, forgive me. What have I done? Christine and I went home that night, and it was, it was a terrible night, you know, just arguing. And, and the next morning, I woke up. I said, God... I am so sorry. I repent. I ask your forgiveness. And the next time I see this man, I'm going to go and apologize. I never saw him again. So we need to live what we say we believe because others are watching. And that's why when you're in a position of leadership, a life fellowship, there's an expectation that you live it. Because I know what it's like to blow it. And I don't want any of you to ever experience that. It's a terrible feeling. So, are you teaching, are you sharing your faith where you are now? If not, why would God send you across the globe? If you're not doing what he's asked you to do in the environment that he's placed you right now, why would he send you to Africa? Well, what if it's hot and humid and requires me to be inconvenienced? Well, I can almost promise you it's going to be. (laughs) Are you willing to get over your selfishness? Or is it all about me? Well, it's uncomfortable. It's hot. Yeah? It's humid. Yeah? I'm inconvenienced, yeah? Get over it. I mean, how serious are we about this gospel? How committed are we to our faith? Are we really committed or are we just playing church? Are you willing to give financially to support this global outreach? It takes money. It takes a lot of money. And I know when we went to India and Malaysia, the church picked up some of the tab. Christine and I picked up some of the tab personally. I know there were two or three of y'all that they gave money to us to help with that. And I'm very appreciative of that. It takes money. Are you willing to sacrifice? What if Christ got on the cross? He said, well, you know, this is enough. I've, I've had enough. I'm only going to pay for some of their sins. He, he took it all on. All. He took on every one of your sins. Every one of my sins. So I've been asking you through this series, I've been asking you to pray about your part in this new season. What is your part? Are you getting some answers? Are you getting some clarity on this? I hope you are. And if you're not, keep praying. And if you are, keep praying. Keep praying and asking the Lord. And if you say, well, I think I'm ready. One question I'd ask you, do you have your passport? 
if you don't have your passport, you're really not serious because it's going, going to require you to travel where you need a passport. I mean, here's the thing, guys. If we're really serious about what God has called us to do, then we are going to respond. There's going to be actions that are going to follow. And so Christine and I have, have an active passport. And even before God began to open these doors up, we knew that we needed to be ready. And that's one of the things that you have to have. So those things are, you know, those are just logistical things, but they're important that you have. More importantly, are you prepared here? Are you prepared are you being equipped and trained to teach others? That is part of the mandate and the calling that God has called us to at Life Fellowship Ministries International. It's not just to have church, but we start back there with our children, training them up and equipping them so that they understand God's love and they begin to understand that they can trust God and they, be, they begin to pray and they begin to re rely upon Him it's amazing what God is doing through some of our children because they're open to having him work through their lives. God loves us all, and God has a plan for all of us, whether you know, you're one day old or 100 years old. You're never too young and never too old to allow God to begin to work in your life. And so that's why you need to be praying for your children. You need to be training them up. What are the three ways children learn? What are the three ways adults learn? You got it. Romans 1, 16 and 17. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Some translations say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work saving who? Everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. And so we at Life Fellowship, we support the work going on in, in Israel. We support um, the pastors over there that are um, training and, and uh, equipping and seeing people get saved. In fact, uh, next week we'll be meeting with one of the pastors from Israel and talking to him. And I'll have more information about what God is doing over there after that meeting. But we are taking the gospel to Israel and Jews are getting saved but also not just Jews, but Gentiles as well, non-Jews. So, um, for I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile, verse 17. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. So, how are, we, how are we made righteous? How are we brought into right standing with God? Through Christ, through the blood of Christ. This good news tells us how God makes us right in his sight. See, we didn't do it. Jesus did it on the cross. He did it all. The completed work of Christ. We just simply need to receive it. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. What is the result of a life of faith in Christ? It's abundant life. It's walking in the things that we were designed to walk in. My walk looks different than yours, and yours is different than mine. But it's all connected. God says, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. I want you over here to, to go and do this. And you know what? 
if we would all just do what God's asked us to do, everything would get done. Everything would be handled. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. Okay, if we're going to take this good news of Christ to the world, we must not be ashamed of it. Are you a Christian when you're around non-Christians? You tell dirty jokes too when they start telling dirty jokes? Are you different? Are you raising a standard? Are you saying, I'm not going to go there? I remember there was a group of guys that I worked with, and they called it, what was it, the 420 room? I think that was, it was a conference room. And I would go in there and eat with these guys occasionally. And sometimes the conversation would get so rough, I would just pick up my lunch and go back to my office. I didn't want to hear it. I wasn't going to be around it. So we can be a light. We need to be a light, but we should not be promoting or participating in things that are non-Christian or ungodly. And so how do you respond when others around you make fun of you? And I, I know there were people that talked about me at work. You know what? I didn't care. I don't care. Unless I was doing something that, uh, that I was doing wrong. But if you want to talk about me being a Christian or a Jesus freak or whatever, go for it. I don't care. So when you're around non-Christians, do you still claim to be a follower of Christ? It's interesting that we live in a society that seems to tolerate almost everything except Christ. And if you don't accept the things the world or society says you should, you're considered intolerant. But what I find interesting is that they seem to be, a lot of those people seem to be very, very intolerant about Christ and the things of the Bible. So really, who's intolerant here? <laughs> but my point is that we need to be uncompromising, uncompromising in our walk and in our faith, in our life. We need to live it. There's a world around us that are looking to us. It's all about a relationship with Christ. Romans 1.16 says, For I'm not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. The power of God is at work in the world around us. The power of God is at work in my life. The power of God is at work in your life. And it helps if you will yield to Him. The power of God at work saving everyone who believes. The Jew first and also the Gentile. We have the same mighty power of Christ living in us that raised Christ from the dead. Do you, can, you, can you get that? There is power. The power of the Holy Spirit. We are empowered by the, by the Holy Spirit to make a difference in this world. I'd like for you to bow your heads and close your eyes. You may be here this morning and you may be saying, man, I had, I had a relationship with the Lord at one point in time, but I've walked away. Or maybe you're here this morning and you've never had a relationship with Him. If that's you, would you slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. Listen, there is no shame in that. The shame would be to walk out of this building and not receive everything that the Lord has for you. God loves you so much. There's no sin. There's nothing that you could do to cause him not to love you. He loves you. God, I thank you for your great love. I thank you that you are indeed great, that your love 
and your mercy is greater than our sin. It's greater than our shortcomings. It's greater than anything we've ever done. It's greater than that Friday night when I was at that bar and I was drinking. And I looked over and that man was looking at me, glaring at me. I thank you for your grace and mercy. And as I prayed so many times, I pray that somehow that man find it in his heart to forgive me. That somehow, somehow, God, because I know your love is great. I know that your power is great. And it's greater than anything that we could do to diminish that. So, Father, we just pray that you would continue to work in our hearts and our lives. I thank you for your great grace and forgiveness. In Jesus' name. The team is going to sing a song, and we're going to worship. And uh, I want you to just take some time this morning and say, God, is there something else you want to say to me today? Is there something in my heart that you are dealing with? And just yield those things to him. Let's just take a few minutes and spend with the Lord.